Our goal is, and we talk about that often, is that uh, to make big, we're a big health system, feel small to the individual that is experiencing it. That's our number one challenge and our number one goal. Healthcare is all about the relationships that we have and the relationships we build through the connections that we have with our, with our communities, with our patients, uh, with each other. Hello, this is Rob Hoyle. Thanks for joining us on Northwell Health's 20-Minute Health Talk, where some of the brightest mind in healthcare help us break down the latest news and developments. I'm alongside my co-host, Chris Gazuski, and today our special guest is Sven Gerlinger. Sven is a Senior Vice President and Chief Experience Officer at Northwell Health. Sven, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you talk about experience, um, making people's hospital stays more comfortable. Kind of difficult to do now in this age of COVID. How do we do it? Uh, it definitely is. But first of all, thank you for having me on the program here. And uh, you said brightest mind. So I'm not sure if I'm in the right room. <laughs> you I, certainly I, are. I, maybe I should leave. So, um, yeah, it's definitely more challenging during, during COVID uh, because we have a, a very different set of circumstances. Uh, families uh, can come into the hospitals or... At first, it was cut off. Then we opened visitation again. Now we are now we are um, also limited again. We haven't like completely closed it. But uh, it, as we all know, there were some tragic events that were happening in the hospital. Not having family members by the bedside uh, was difficult. But the, the the family members and everybody was very understanding and uh, very supportive of the staff. So. Um, it's, uh, but it's not just the inpatient experience that, that has changed. It's the ambulatory experience that has changed too. Um, if we think about how quickly we have to stand up telehealth because we couldn't, uh, go physically to a, a physician office and, uh, um, we, we've heard all the, the, the care that has been delayed, et cetera, um, as a result of that. And now we've really caught up with that. And now the goal is with the search that we're in to maintain those operations and to make sure that, that uh, we can still deliver the care um, that uh, our, our community needs. It, it was like one big fire drill after the other back then in April, March and April. Yeah. Take us back there. What was it like from, from you trying to figure things out on the fly and just try to provide the best experience? Well, I like to think of it as a tsunami, uh, right? You saw like this wave coming and then um, all of a sudden it just completely enveloped us. Uh, so we were... Um, um, it, it, it changed so quickly from, from, from day to day. And the biggest change was really the, the, uh, the visitor restrictions, the, the hospitalizations were rising on a daily basis. I remember when it was, uh, when we had like a few hundred and what, what a big deal that was and how the, I've been in constant communication with the patient experience leaders at all the, the, the hospitals we had, um, a call set up um, every other day and um, they were starting to get overwhelmed with the, with the patient volume and with, with the, uh, with the acuity of, uh, of patients. And then it, um, um, uh, it just went into the over a thousand then it was 2000 then it was 3000. Um, and then we really, April 7th, I believe was the day we had the, with the highest hospitalizations. Um, it, was, it was despair. Um, it really was very difficult for for everybody to uh, to to live through that. Um, and but uh, the teamwork that has happened during that time and the collaborate collaboration, everybody working together at the hospitals, um, people being reassigned, rede redeployed, the the shared services uh, departments working together. I, I I always felt like the the titles went away, the red tape tape went away. We we just uh, everybody uh, worked together for one 
common cause, and that is to save as many lives as possible. Now, we lost a lot of lives, um, unfortunately, but we saved um, so many, so many more. And just those celebrations of every life that was saved, and there was one a big moment also when the, um, the codes in the hospitals became so overwhelming for the staff, and every time they hear code blue, and they, was just, they were just running from one side to another, that it had such an emotional impact on them, and it was very, de- very depressing for them that we had to, to balance that with positive messaging, and that's when the idea came up to uh, uh, play a song every time actually somebody was extubated um, or was discharged uh, from the hospital, and then people were dancing because we saved another life, and uh, we, we played Here Comes the Sun from the Beatles. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the experience that a lot of hospitals and health systems are going through right now. Um, the yeah. resurgence or even going through their first wave. I saw some statistics. Uh, I think South Dakota has one in three people have COVID right now uh, in the whole entire state, which is astronomical. Yeah. Um, we're also seeing an uptick here too. Yeah. And that's the difference now that uh, the whole country is experiencing this, um, at the same time before it was just us, um, or it started in, in Washington state. Um, they didn't experience the levels that we did. And then we were, um, um, hit with that, uh, with that tsunami. But now it's every, every state is impacted by it. And we actually are uh, considerably considering, uh, the, the population, uh, we are handling it actually pretty well at this point. Yeah. I think we've learned so much, which is making it a little yeah. bit easier. Would you say it's easier this time around? Um, in a way it is, but it's also difficult. Uh, we are more experienced, but we have the experience. So just that thought that uh, we, could, we could be back there again, where it was so overwhelming, that is uh, very taxing for the, uh, for the employees. So there's, there's definitely, definitely a lot of anxiety around that. Is there anything that worked in the spring or we learned and implemented in the spring that we were carrying through to now in terms of patient experience? Um, I think everything um, that, that, that we've learned how to main, maintain the family connections. We have roles identified that, um, that go into the patient rooms to facilitate those discussions and call the family member, um, schedule time so that they can see each other. Yeah. And then also often the clinician gets involved there too and they, they, they can talk to the doctor or the nurse and, and, and see what's going on. That's the scariest thing, I think, during, you know, anything is this not knowing and not being able to see your loved one, not being able to go visit them. But then you have an iPad yeah. and you could see your loved one. And, and what the doctor may be told you now makes more sense because you're seeing it and you have the doctor there. Right. Something that small, the technology part, how, you know, I guess it, it's huge. Yeah. Um, but what's, what was so interesting is, and I think that's a lesson learned, is that the human touch cannot be replaced, right? Yeah. Um, so, and what, the, the, the staff did and what they're still doing is they become the family member and they were asking the, 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 other, the family on the other side, you know, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to stroke their head? Do you want me to hold their hand? Do you want me to... Um, so it, they, they became the family and something really profound happened the other day when we do these, um, uh, it's called Schwartz rounds at the hospitals. Whenever a traumatic event happens, um, then it's a very organized uh, debrief. It usually happens during lunchtime. It's an hour. All the people that were involved in that incident come together and they share their experience. And it's very healing and uh, uh, just processing that whole event. And one of the nurses uh, at one of the hospitals recently said, I tried to log into as many as possible because it gives you a really great connection to what's happening. And she said, you know, we've 
all, we always try to be the best uh, caregiver, the best nurse, the best doctor we, we can be. Um, but we also had to be the best family member we can be. And that's, that was yeah. such a profound statement, I think. Yeah, I mean, the way, the way clinical staff reacted and adapted is amazing because they went from caregiver to communicator to yeah. IT person. Yeah, everything. And I think all of our roles changed and everybody had uh, to think, what can I do uh, to help the, the, the greater good and uh, to develop kits that we've uh, gave, uh, gave to COVID positive patients um, at the EDs um, to take care of the, uh, of themselves at home and um so we impact we put tens of thousands of those kids together <laughs> that we di- that we distributed so we had a, a production line going on here at 2000 marcus avenue all all things that uh you just have to jump in and do them so what was in the kit good question we uh, uh put in a few uh, items that, that would be clinical so we put a, a thermometer in there we would we put a pulse oximeter in there, but also instructions on how to isolate at home, make sure that you that you measure uh, at certain intervals, uh, and uh, but then we put some feel good items to uh, to as well. We put water into it as a symbol. You got to hydrate during this time. We put a, a recipe in there from our chef uh, Bruno Tisson for chicken noodle soup um, for them to make it uh, to make it home and maybe try something try something new. Uh, we put some uh, tea into it, and it was very, very well received. It's awesome. I think there was a cliff bar in there too. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the digital patient experience that yeah. we have here, and how that is really, you know, evolving. So we're really uh, uh, trying to evolve our digital patient experience so that we have this balance between the human experience and the digital experience, borrowing from what other industries have done for quite some time now, if you think about banking, if you think about the airline industry, you can, have, you can do everything yourself, right? You make your airline reservations, you, you check in over the phone, you uh, can get your boarding pass. Uh, you, there's not much uh, interaction that, that you can't do yourself. Same with, with banking. Who would have thought that you would uh, transfer money from your phone, right? Or that you know, at some point we were able to deposit checks, et cetera, things we, we always thought we would need to go into, into a place. And I think... We're going through that same um, evolution. Through digital technology, we're empowering the patients to do what they can themselves and um, so that we can focus on the, on the medical care, on the clinical care, and, bring, and, and to, to foster those, uh, the, those human connections. And that's everything from making an appointment. Our goal is to, to have self-scheduling where the patients can actually schedule directly with that physician um, where they don't have to call a call center, where they don't have to um, be on hold, leave a message, wait for a call back, uh, because time is precious. And, uh, and we, we definitely recognize that and want to make sure that our patients are, are, are empowered to do that, but then also um, to have access to information, to be able to, uh, to pay your bill easily and most importantly, that we store all the information in, in, in one place. I mean, it's very frustrating to all of us when we have to fill out uh, reams of paper when we register for an appointment, right? Um, and you, you feel like you have given that information 50 times, and you probably have. And um, that's, those are the, 
the frustrations that we want to take out of. I, I like to always talk about that we want to make it as effortless as possible to create an effortless experience for our patients because uh, we've done some research around that. So, so last year we went through an exercise where we uh, sat down with patients. We, we, we hired an experienced design firm and we did interviews with patients where we sat down in their homes um, at their kitchen table, on the living room floor, at the, at the dining room table, and asked them what they think patient-centered means. And then they told us five things. And the first one was partner with me. Make sure that we are an ally, that we do this together, that uh, um, I like to have input into my, into my patient, into my care experience as a, as a patient. Um, the second one was personalize the communication. Um, I'm not a number, um, and it's exactly what I just talked about. Make sure that you keep the information about me on, on, on file. The third one is set expectations and follow through, that we under-promise but over-deliver, that we can't, don't promise something that we can't uh, um, follow, uh, follow through on. The fourth one was um, help me with the next step in my care experience because it's always that handoff to the next thing. There's, we don't just say, here, you got to see the specialist and then, but help them with making that appointment. Um, so that, and all, we always know what the next step is, so we need to be proactive there. And the fifth one is really interesting because that's, um, that's about access and we call it, it's about access, access, access because we often think about access as access to appointments, right? When we talk about that. Um, patients definitely think about that too, but they also think about the access to people, the access to the practice, the access to the physician, so that when I call, I can get a hold of somebody there and they can answer my question, and the access to information, so that it, that it's easy for them to get the medical record, to get all these uh, things. So that if we do that, then we take the headache. Um, out of it for patients and we will be much better off. And we have a lot of initiatives on the way. In terms of COVID, um, I, I, you and I had talked a while ago about um, a new pilot um, and just to avoid large crowds inside these ambulatory practices. Are we still text messaging people when, you know, not to come, you know, stay at your home for another 10 yeah, minutes or whatever? Yeah. Maybe? So that's, that's one of those, that's one of those projects actually that uh, we can text message somebody um, like, when your uh, your airplane is delayed, um, same same thing that uh, we're running behind. That happens. Physicians are now behind, uh, but now we can text them and say, "You can do something else uh, with that hour. You don't leave yet." Um, also, very important is when they get there in the clinic, we we tell them to uh, uh, we'll uh, text us when they're there. Then we'll um, uh, communicate with them when the provider is ready. They stay in the car. They come up to the clinic almost go straight to the um, exam room and we cut out all that, um, all that time. And especially right now, safety is a huge concern. Um, so we all, we're bypassing the waiting room, which by the way, waiting rooms- It's gotta be the biggest complaint. Yeah, and, and waiting rooms are the biggest waste of real estate in healthcare. I've always said that, <laughs> think about it. If we could, yeah. why do we have waiting designed into the process? Tell me other businesses. Yeah, maybe airlines. Yeah, airports uh, have have that, but they, they they have to. You don't have a waiting room in the hotel um, where you're, you're waiting for yeah. your for your room. So that just tells you that we got to get a lot better about that. Yeah, um, what we want to transition now to is a new segment that we're going to try out. What exactly is keeping you up at night these days? Um, it's the stuff that happens outside of the medical care that keeps me up in, at night. What I talked about earlier. It's the 
how difficult it is for patient uh, patients still, and we're not alone in that um, to 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 navigate the the healthcare system, and that's that's why that's a huge priority. Even just to scale some of these initiatives, got to be pretty challenging yes. too. Yes, so scale is definitely something. Um, that uh, we have unique challenges with because of the size. Um, but that's an important point because um, our goal is, and we talk about that often, is that uh, to make big, we're a big health system, feel small to the individual that is experiencing it. And that's our number one challenge and our number one goal. Healthcare is all about the relationships that we have and the relationships we build through the connections that we have. Um, with our with our communities, with our patients, uh, with each other. Yeah, so um, we'll move on to our next segment called Knee Jerk Reactions. So what we're going to do is we're going to say if a word or a phrase, and we really just want to get your reaction to it. Okay, bring it on. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Love the enthusiasm. Uh, reimagining the patient experience. Um, is hugely important and is about uh, having compassionate care um, and taking away the frictions, like I said earlier. Communication. Is paramount, um, and we have to make sure that we are um, doing that in in an empathic way and that we build the relationship through the communication that we have and personalize the communication. Care access and coordination. Access is not just about access to appointments, and uh, it is important that we help our patients coordinate their care. We are the experts at that, and we need to make sure that uh, that we help them with that. You touched on this earlier, um, working as a team. Uh, teamwork is one of our organizational uh, values, and I've never seen more teamwork than I have um, over the last nine months, I, I would say in my entire life, in my entire career. Yeah, it's here to stay. Yeah. Disruption. Disruption is good. Uh, disruption, <laughs> we have been disrupted in Certainly enormous have. ways and disruption forces us to innovate. It forces us to think differently and um, it is uh, also making us better. Putting patients first. Uh, it's it, it used we used to be a provider centric industry. Um, now we've swung the pendulum to making sure that we put the patient in the center of what we do. It's an mission statement. We an mission statement. We talk about uh, world class service and patient centered care. There you have it. COVID nineteen changed us forever. Um, changed us um, as nation as a world changed us as an organization changed us as um, individuals and um, it will um, as, as hard as it is to go through right now i think we'll be better off in the future that's a perfect segue into our last segment which is we always like to end on a positive note so tell us what gives you hope um it's the human spirit um, working together um, that um, I think is gives me um, so much hope, um, and that is uh, that has been present throughout this uh, throughout this entire journey. And I think we've learned a lot over the last nine months as people, as humans, in in what's important, 
and um, that will have lasting effects for us. And um, what we've learned uh, clinically, what we've learned in how to treat patients uh, with COVID, um, um, uh, also one statement that I learned recently from one of the Schwartz rounds where uh, one of the, I think it was a physician actually, um, no, it was a nurse, I'm sorry, who said um, it is less about charting and more about caring now. And that has stayed with her and, and with the team. And that's a beautiful statement. It's awesome. Well, Sven Gerlinger, thank you so much for joining us on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for everybody who tuned in, thank you and have a great week and stay safe. Get more expert insights from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.